On today's episode of When Does It Get Fun, we talk about the stories that come from cooperative games like Lethal Company, and we delve into the dark depths of online multiplayer with Dota 2 and Pokemon Unite. All that and more, Cam and it. When, when, when does it get fun? When does it get fun? Let's not be coy, alright? I wanted to talk about Lethal Company. You did. Been, uh... I've been playing it a little bit. Well, I haven't played it for a, uh, a week, which I'm having withdrawals already because it's such a fun game. But again, one of those games that is genuinely only fun if you have friends, oh, which for is sure. usually like an annoying aspect to a lot of these games. Like I remember wanting to play Among Us when it came out and it's like, I mean, I have like four or five people I can get together, but I don't have fucking eight people I can, <laughs> on the same schedule that I can pull in. Yeah. Like, I don't have eight no-lifer friends, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who are just available at all times for this kind of thing, but... Yeah, and there's a steeper learning curve for Among Us, too. You kind of had to really have someone show you a little bit about what you're supposed to be doing in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember playing a lot of... I played a ton of Secret Hitler on Tabletop Simulator back in the day, and really liked that game, but that was another game that you needed... That had, like, for some reason, Tabletop Simulator had, like, a pretty good, like, there were a lot of people who would join the lobbies and they would all have microphones and stuff and you could actually make a game function. But, like, Among Us, uh, we at one point joined, uh, like, a Discord just for Among Us where you could, like, get people in. But playing that game with randoms is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) By randoms, you mean (laughs) 10-year-olds? Well, these, no, these were adults uh but some people you realize uh just don't know how to like construct an argument or or, like they're also terrible at like pretending that like or lying about stuff or whatever so it's always really obvious that (laughs) that uh (laughs) that they're the killer or whatever and and then there are other people who get really angry and whether it's fake or, or real or not, really defensive about being called out on stuff, and it's just not fun to play with at all, especially when you don't know them. It's like, I don't know, is this guy like genuinely going to burst a blood vessel or something? He sounds really pissed. Yeah, are we RPing right now, or those people who just are so emotionally <laughs> invested in whether or not they get voted out? That's so yeah, exactly. Miserable. Or they're like meta game. Like we had other people who like re- had played like fucking a hundred hours of this game that just came out already, and like they were just like meta gaming the hell out of it. Like, oh no, well, like usually you want to like do this, and like we should be doing this or whatever. And it's like, all right, man, we just we just got here. Like, <laughs> we don't <know. laughs> I don't know the zeitgeist of the game yet yeah and like those games are funny because people will vote people out because they suspect that they're doing some crazy meta game play but really they just don't know how to play and, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like kicking people out of the game for like really dumb reasons where they think they're doing some like fucking 4d chess move but the person just had no idea what they were doing that's brutal hey before we salvage this tangent just since you brought up tabletop simulator I just wanted to mention, I, I think that thing's so funny because it's, it's like an industry standard vibe thing. Like if you're going to do that, you do it on tabletop simulator. A lot of people have it. It's very popular and widespread. I booted that thing up the other day to uh, workshop a card game I was working on and, and Ponky was getting mm-hmm. a hand with it. And 
being a newcomer to that, that's some of the worst software I've ever used in my life. Fucking tabletop simulator is god awful. I can't believe it's popular. I can't. you mean designing for it or playing it? I playing it like just the oh. everything from the UI to how it would function to how often it would crash or disconnect on me and oof. <laughs> I never really had crashes with, with DCs using it, but uh, it's definitely clunky when you first start using it. But that's almost you know part of the charm a little bit i don't oh i disagree i i see that angle for like lethal company where it's jank and that makes it even more fun but with tabletop simulator it just drives me insane i'm glad it exists it's a great thing but good lord for the price that it is the <laughs> fucking polish is abysmal oh <laughs> uh, can't do yeah it. i mean i played pretty much just secret hitler on it so i don't have experience with anything i feel like you didn't do anything that complex uh, in terms of like moving parts or anything uh, with that game so I don't know how bad it is if you need more motor function <laughs> <laughs> rough stuff uh, but yeah let's let's salvage the tangent as you said and get onto lethal company I don't know it's just it's one of these games I think I've talked about on the podcast a little bit uh, where I think some of the best games are the ones where like player experience drives uh storytelling and not in the sense of like a narrative structure in the game but in the sense that like there are moments in the game that become stories that you tell uh other people you tell your friends we were playing lethal company and this happened you know mm -hmm. and i think it's why a ton of games like i think it's why PUBG blew up i think it's why among us blew up it's definitely why lethal company has blown up and phasmophobia all these types of games where they're not necessarily like the most polished games <laughs> and like lethal company is like relatively bare bones like clearly fairly simplistic in the way that it's designed but because the core concept is so fun with other people uh it just means that you <laughs> and, and like a lot of the sandbox like the building blocks that go into it like the monsters they have and and the way the world is built as like kind of cynical and you're it's this big corporation sending you to pick up like a bunch of useless junk basically <laughs> to like give them some quota there's like a little bit of lore behind it there's some monster they're feeding or something in the basement uh for reasons unknown so you're going in and doing something effectively like useless as a player <laughs> for this company so the goal of the game never really feels as important as uh, just the experiences that you're having. And boy, do you have just like so many experiences playing that game. Like you'll just run into some monster. Everyone immediately starts screaming and panicking. You're all trying to run around, trying to find your way back to the exit. And, you know, you end up running into like a sentry turret that's set up that starts shooting you while you're running away from this monster or whatever. <laughs> and then you get outside and you realize you've spent like a bit too much time in the building trying to pick up this garbage to bring back. And now it's nighttime outside and then a bunch of monsters come out at night. So you have to like creep back to the ship and it's getting late and the ship leaves at midnight. It's already like 1030. So you're trying to get back as quickly as you can. But if you move too fast, this thing's going to hear you and then come and kill you. And, you know, it has these little elements like uh, the walkie-talkies where you can talk to each other because it all uses in-game voice that's, like, proximity voice. Yep. So you can hear each other, like, distance-based. 
<laughs> and then you can get these walkie-talkies, but like <laughs> some of the monsters react to sound. So if you're outside, we had an instance where <laughs> we were all creeping back to the ship to get away from these monsters that are completely blind. So if you crawl, you can get past them. Like as long as you're not making sound, you can get past them totally fine. Uh, <laughs> but if they hear sound, they'll like kill you almost instantly. Um, <laughs> my buddy was like crawling back to the ship really quietly. We'd all made it back. And then my other friend over the walkie talkie is just like, Hey, you okay? And then we just hear him die immediately <laughs> because the monster heard like the walkie talkie go off. Oh, and man. it's just, you know, it's just hundreds of things per session like that occurring. It's such a fantastic game. I love it. Yeah, it's a real content machine. And it's probably that's the exact reason that it blows up with streamers and everyone hears about it. And then YouTube is just uh, inundated with this flood of lethal company content. Because uh, everybody's kind of having their own experiences in that little sandbox, that grab bag of all these things that can go wrong, interwoven between each other. And it's definitely hilarious to watch. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know this for sure. I'm not claiming this is the case. I'm just kind of uh, giving you my sense when I look at it. And it's also not a dig. This is a perfectly fine thing to do. It looks to me like just random assets have been downloaded third party from different places, maybe paid for, like I'll get this model for this monster. And then from a completely different artist, I'll get this model for this monster. Like the whole, the vibe of the entire game, both in gameplay and wonky controls and in its presentation looks like just slapped together jank. And I really do mean that kindly. Like it kind of helps the, the silliness of the experience, but, like some of these monsters, like the the mannequin guys that are like SCP-173. I always forget the number, 170-something. But the monster that when you stop looking at it, it moves really, really fast. Mm -hmm. But it's got the bobblehead on it. That is like a completely different style of model than that like weird bug guy yeah. that you can find in the place. And then there's like the slime thing. And it just... I don't want to say asset flip because that has negative connotations, but it looks like someone just kind of grabbed some stuff and they were like, fuck it, we'll just make a game. It doesn't matter. And then just made a really fun experience where you can have a bunch of wonky stuff go wrong and really focused on, yeah, those little stories that they can create, focused on the player experience less so than the polish. And I think this is one of those cases where it's being so janked up, <laughs> janked up the guff pipe as Plonky would say, uh, really helps, really helps the vibe and sells it. And I wonder if this game would be as successful if it were a more polished experience, because I suspect it wouldn't be. I think a major part of the comedy is that it's kind of a mess. Uh, well, the janky, it's like Phasmophobia, right? Where the you need a balance between it being scary and it being funny, because Lethal Company is... It's an amusing experience because it's also kind of terrifying sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the time you're alone in the dark and you can't hear anyone who like you'll be talking to people and you'll hear their voices get further away. And then you suddenly realize like, oh, shit, I don't know how to get back to the entrance and I can't hear anybody. And I'm calling out people's names and they could be dead. I don't even know. And then, you know, some monster starts chasing you and you're like, shit, I got to get back to the ship. I'm going to lose all my stuff. And it can be like, you know, a, a slightly terrifying experience. 
Yeah. And then it's counterbalanced with the goofy running animations and how clunky it is to like jump around and get over objects and and the monsters all look like even though they're like some of them are somewhat spooky looking they're also kind of cartoonish and silly at the same time so and and phasmophobia was the same it takes itself a little more seriously i'd say than lethal company but the animations in that are also super janky like people when they lean backwards their spine just like goes completely horizontal and stuff and (laughs) it's like a silly game but it's it's got these moments of like panic in them which elevates the comedic elements uh because you have that kind of uh moments of relief i think is like the important part of like this really scary thing happened but then it turned into something really ridiculous and those moments of relief are always like key elements i think for having so much fun in that game yeah and i think the the palette of fear is different uh with lethal company like it's it's not like those old slender man games and there was that huge horror kick for a while uh and like youtube let's plays where that's just sort of a foreboding oppressive kind of fear whereas lethal company you're gonna be scared and there's gonna be these screamy moments but it feels more frantic than anything it's giving you this excited energy and this oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and that kind of plays really well with the sudden big laughs of the comedy where like you're trying to use a ladder and a tense moment and the ladder just falls on a guy and just kills him because <laughs> the ladder's pretty heavy and uh yeah that seems like a tough balance to get i wonder if that's the intention when they're making a game like that, when they're sitting down making Lethal Company, are they really keeping that mood in mind? And like, we want it to be scary, but we want it to be scary just in that frantic, oh, high energy way. Or if I that would happens, say for sure. You think? I so? mean, it's de- like there's a ton of tension in Lethal Company too, because uh, you know it's sort of roguelikey, right? Like you lose everything uh, if you all die. And if you don't meet the quota every time, so you have like a quota of, you pick up scrap that you have to bring back to the ship and you have a quota and I think it's, it's three days or four days. I can't remember. And you have to meet this quota of scraps. You might need like 300 scrap and the stuff that you find will have a certain randomized value. Uh, You just have to meet that quota within the day limit. But if you don't meet the quota, then you all die and you go back to the beginning of the process and you have to start all over again. So you start from like day one again uh, and you keep literally nothing. Like in Phasmophobia, you can bank some items and, or at least you could when I played, maybe it's different now and you would keep some stuff, but, but Lethal Company is like a complete wipe back to the beginning. So you do have like, you have the tension already of, okay, we need to meet our quota from a gameplay perspective in order to not all die (laughs) and then you also have these huge moments of tension of like because there are monsters like i said that like for instance they there are some that can't hear you and then there are some that can't see you and stuff so you have to like move around really quietly or you have to move really fast to like get away from something that that moves slowly or whatever it is so you have the this like for instance i had this really panicky moment like i was inside and i was trapped with the bobblehead guy that you're talking about you can't look at and i'm running away from this thing 
and I get hit and I'm like critically injured, so about to die. And I get outside and then I realize it's nighttime and all these monsters are out. So I crawl for ages. It's like, I don't know, it takes me like several minutes, like five minutes to get back to the ship or something. And I finally, like I creep us, I get up to the ship. There's a gigantic monster that starts to come for me. I jump in, I get into the ship. I hear my friend die through proximity voice as I make it to the ship. And then I get into the ship and this there's a monster inside the ship waiting for me and it just kills me. So <laughs> it's like this moment of intense panic inside the building followed by, you know, like three or four minutes of massive tension where I have to be totally silent. And then humor when my friend dies, relief when I get in the ship, and then that relief gets taken away from me because I get killed right at the end of the mission. And then we all just like fucking erupted in laughter afterwards because it was so ridiculous. There are very few games that can really give you that kind of experience as a group, I think, that can bring you through all these different emotions (laughs) in such a short period of time. And it's such a simplistic game that it's... I think it really proves that, you know, you don't need, like, a AAA team and AAA budget and stuff to produce really fun experiences. I do I do think it's an interesting emotion that it elicits, because in those panicked moments, you could be laughing the whole time. Mm-hmm. You'd feel no less panic and no less stress, but it's just a very comical kind of stress that you're feeling. Yeah. Your buddies could be laughing at you the whole time. You could be laughing, but you are scared. That's a fun feeling that you can get. And it's, yeah, it seems kind of rare, I guess. And that's why, you know, I'm wondering when they made this game, kind of just the order of events that happened. Like, is are they sitting down and thinking, this is the emotional experience we want, therefore we need these mechanics? Or just, are they sitting down and thinking, hey, these are some mechanics we might want to do, and then they discovered that it was frantic and panicky and fun, and then they lean into that. Yeah, I do wonder if, I think it's one guy who makes oh, really? Lethal Company. Oh, okay. But I, I wonder if, like, what he was inspired by, like, if he had played Phasmophobia and was inspired by that, because they're not really the same game, but they have a lot of similarities, like the purchasing of equipment and bringing it into this place, and, you know, one person, usually one person will stay in the ship because there's, like, a computer and you can view the other team members and kind of guide them through. And Phasmophobia has a very similar thing where one person will stay in the van and guide people through the areas. So there are a lot of similarities between the two games, as well as the horror comedy kind of juxtaposition that they both have. Yeah. So, yeah, I would assume that there's some influence there, and that might have been like a bit of a template for what they wanted the game to be like. But, um, yeah, like you were saying, I feel like it's a lot more frantic than... And then Phasmophobia. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, the vibe of it gives me kind of, like, Last Train out of Wormtown vibes, if you ever saw that game, and just sort of Uh -uh. games in that genre. That one's hilarious. It's, it's, you're, like, it's asymmetrical multiplayer, so you'll have a team of three or four people who are the people, and you're trying to get fuel for this train and clear wreckage out of the way of the train on the track so that you can escape Wormtown. And then another player plays as a giant sandworm that's under the map and can only see players when they're walking on the sand and then it comes up in fact i think there's a there's the big worm monster in lethal company yeah yeah so i wonder if that's kind of inspired by that or if just big giant dune sandworm thing is uh, a classic thing to do but 
yeah, I love those types of games. I love uh, the team-based multiplayer where you all have the same goal and it's kind of silly and low stakes and frantic and you mm-hmm. get your buds on there. It's a great, great time. I love seeing stuff like that. I think that's just kind of... I always take these... I die on these hills for no reason, but having played so much Pokemon Unite recently uh, and like League in the past and a bit of Dota... I'm sitting here thinking, like, I think that's the wrong way to do team-based multiplayer games. I think we need to stop with those, <laughs> just get rid of them, and do more <laughs> oh, yeah. Lethal Company, do more Last Train at a Wormtown, uh, and things like that. Or even, like, more Dead by Daylight, that style of game, when you have your buddies on the comms and you're all trying to rush the gens before, you know, <laughs> Michael Myers comes by and cuts you up. It's fun stuff. Well, it's it's funny because for me, yeah, like I guess I'm talking about these like experience games, like Among Us and Lethal Company, Phasmophobia, etc. And for me, I think that's why I took to PUBG so much as a game because I in for me, I have like a real competitive side where I really want to scratch that competitive itch in gaming with like Dota Two and stuff like that, and PUBG sort of fulfills that because uh, you're playing against other people the stakes are relatively high like you get killed you're out of the game completely but then it also has this absolute uh, maybe a bit less so now but definitely when it first came out it has this completely ridiculous side to it where the game is super janky and broken stupid stuff can happen all the time like just the way vehicle physics are I was talking to Mega because we started playing PUBG again recently and I was saying to him that because that game is also very much like they've just taken a bunch of assets like I think there's buildings in PUBG and stuff at least in the the first map and maybe the second map it's possible the later maps they now sort of build their own stuff but they were using like just unreal prefab buildings I'm pretty sure um, for the first map and so the that game has this real feeling of like, here's a big toy box. Like we've built this big map and like, here's a bunch of elements in it, like the vehicles and stuff. And they didn't even really check if any of it worked in tandem. Like (laughs) you don't even really have this feeling that like when they built a town, it doesn't feel like they play tested it to be like, okay, there's like this angle to these windows how can we structure this area for combat to flow correctly or or anything like that? It entirely feels incumbent on the player to, like, make their situation work as well as they possibly can with whatever shit the developers have dumped into the area, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so you end up with so many situations where it's like, oh, man, can I, like, drive this vehicle up and create, like, a ledge that I can use to climb on top of this building or whatever? And if you can do that, you know, that's great. You're able to do it. But it doesn't feel like any of these things were planned by the devs. It really feels like you're just messing around in this, like, big Gary's Mod-style sandbox thing, which I think maybe not necessarily because the developers planned it, but I think for me it really helped the game in terms of creating like little stories and stuff and insane moments that occurred and the janky physics and all of these things really helped to make PUBG as popular as it was, I think. Yeah, and and it was a massive success, so much so that 
I mean, it started the the uh, battle royale genre, mm-hmm. essentially, right? If I, I at least I don't remember a battle royale game before. Well, PUBG. There was the there was Arma Three mod, which is what PUBG originally was, and then uh, you had like Daisy Standalone, which was sort of like that, and I think Minecraft actually had a battle royale map, which might have been the first. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Minecraft did like a Hunger Games map. Interesting. And it was actually really cool. And Decino, when I talked to him, he actually used to play a ton of it, I believe. He used to play a ton of like uh I don't know if it was that one, but he, he played like a competitive Minecraft thing and played like heaps of it, which I thought was funny. That's awesome. I my thing is like I mean that's good news. I like hearing about games like that. Because I, I feel like someone will come up with a cool new idea conceptually as far as the wider gameplay set of goals is. Like, oh, it'll be, you know, 100 people drop into a map, it's just last one standing wins. And you just scavenge for supplies and try to get a good hiding spot or vantage point. Circle shrinks, etc. That's super fun. But so often it'll be like, what what are you actually doing in the micro? Like, what's the gameplay? And it's like, oh, it's just guns. Mm-hmm. It's just guys with guns. And I'm so fucking sick of guns. I'm so bored of them. So to hear like, oh, like Minecraft, so there could be a survival and crafting element into it is super fun. Or my battle royale of choice when it was around, RIP, uh, Rumbleverse. Rumbleverse was fucking sick, man. What a fantastic game. I can't believe it. uh, It's not around anymore. I hope it comes back in some form. But it was... It's just that straight up, all the people drop into a map. It's a free for all, but you're all pro wrestlers, so it's just big wrestling moves. Oh right. And so there's, if you want to talk about these emergent little stories, you'd have so many moments in Rumbleverse where you just like, like suplex a guy off the Empire State Building, and you fall like a hundred stories into the concrete and take him out, but his buddy's waiting down there for you by sheer coincidence, and he gets you while you're gloating, and and it was a good time. But I respects PUBG for popularizing the battle royale genre and that's been really successful since but uh I've always been disappointed that it was just guns it was just military stuff again and I'm just so sick of that so when Rumbleverse <laughs> came around and it's like oh you're professional wrestlers and it's stylized graphics and I was in heaven dude and my computer couldn't even run that game I was trying to stream it once while playing with Dave and we were crashing like every 5 to 10 oh, minutes man. I didn't even care I would just load it back up and try to get through a whole round. It was a, it was a great time. So that's the kind of creativity I like to see. I do think that like because that's the element that I like so much about PUBG is that you have all these crazy moments that can happen, as well as like the gameplay being a little bit slower and more tactical, which I kind of enjoy. Like playing duos is very like calm heavy, and I love that experience of like being able to outplay people. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like you're playing against like Shroud or whatever, and he's obviously gonna beat you in a straight up gunfight. But maybe you make a slightly more intelligent play than he's ready for or whatever, and you can take him out. Which you know, that's definitely a cool element to having games. But I, I, I do think that as BRs have continued, they've kind of veered further and further away from that kind of storytelling element because they they don't have as much downtime because PUBG is so much slower. And when it first came out, like, the loot was a lot more limited. 
so you did like more looting there was more downtime in between gunfights and things like that there's a lot of moving and planning your sort of route to the circle and stuff like this but modern brs are like they're just built around speed like apex amped the speed up to a million it was really fast paced it was about getting up in people's faces and like what they call third partying where you hear gunshots two teams fighting in the distance and you'll just go and be like well okay they're fighting they'll be distracted we'll come and kill the remaining team that'll already be like weak or whatever yeah so a lot of that happened because people were so fast so it became a lot closer to just a tdm or something and then call of duty that when they did battle like their br with modern warfare they added in like apex already had ways to revive people as well and then call of duty has like three different ways to revive people there's like 150 to 200 people on the map at one time or something uh you're way faster you slide around everywhere there's like helicopters there's vehicles there's ways to move around the map super fast so it just means that like you don't have the stakes anymore because everyone can die and then just they go into the gulag and respawn or you know someone can respawn them in like two other different ways Mm -hmm. and then you don't have the storytelling anymore because there's no downtime you're always just running to the next fight or you're in a gunfight and it's continuing you kill a guy but then he can respawn so there's always a hundred people on the map at all times because they don't want people to get bored they want people to feel like there's combat happening so they really just turned (laughs) what was sort of the unique experience of a battle royale into call of duty team deathmatch again for the most part and then you know they kind of fake the ending a bit where you you know, eventually there are enough people dead that you win the game or whatever. But it, to me, it doesn't really, it doesn't really satisfy what was, what I was getting out of, uh, like battle royales to begin with. Yeah, and the stakes are higher too when it's a slower game and you've invested more time before the gameplay is really started. And then mm-hmm. you know when you die late, you've really lost like a lot of progress. So it's like you're life's in your hands and you get that sort of like oh shit oh shit oh shit someone's coming after me and i'm doing so well right now i don't want to lose um but i do tend to prefer the the stripped down let's just get to the point gameplay of these ones that these modern ones that are kind of trimming the fat a little bit and interesting i liked rumbleverse more for that reason where you could just drop down to the top of the highest building where there's all the best uh potential for loot and there's like 12 people on this tiny platform 100 stories in the air and it's an instant brawl and then you can fight the entire time. And I like that stuff. I'm not much for the downtime. Uh, I'm not much for having to wait before the fun part starts because for me, the fun part is the action. Well, PUBG always has hot drops on every map. So like, yeah, there are places you can drop where there is just fighting straight away. Exactly. Uh, if you want to do that. Yep. Yeah. Fortnite so was the, the same. It's always, you know, that one spot everybody's going to that's really popular right now. Um, the revive mechanic is interesting to me because I really liked how Rumbleverse did it, where if you played in a duo, uh, your buddy could get knocked out. But as long as you were alive, you had a time limit to reach your buddy before he died, of course. Mm-hmm. And if you could get to him and uh, be defenseless for like four seconds or something while you re- rezzed him, 
then he'd come back up and you'd be good. So there was this fun dynamic of you'd catch someone too far away from their buddy and you'd knock them out. And then you've got to kind of like guard the body to keep the other guy away. And there's a little bit of mind games of is he going to come res or is he just going to abandon him? Yeah, PUBG is the same. So like if someone gets downed, there's like getting downed and then people can finish you. So like if you're down, someone can revive you for like they have to stand over you for like five seconds, I think it is. Yeah. To revive you. And then but the other team can also finish the kill and just shoot you while you're downed. But you, there's like a lot of fun. That's the slowness of the game really helps PUBG a lot because like if you have to use a first aid to heal, it's like, you know, I shoot a guy, I know he's gonna have to heal, and it takes like three seconds or whatever it is to use a first aid. Mm -hmm. So that's a great opportunity for me to push because uh, if I wait too long, then he's gonna be back at full health, and then this other guy has to make the decision of like, do I try and challenge this guy because I know he's gonna push me. Or do I try and, like, see if I can get the heal off so that I have a better chance in, like, a stand-up gunfight? And you just end up with these, like... I think it's great because it, it rewards offensive play in a lot of ways. Uh, and then it also... There's, like, certain other rewards for defensive play, too. So you get, like, a lot of good back and forth with, with a slightly slower-paced game. I don't... I'm not... I'm not sure I get what the point is of the execute mechanic. I'm having trouble seeing the value in that. It's like, why have a revive mechanic if when I've killed you, I can just shoot you a couple more times and you're dead for real and there's no revive opportunity. So that seems a little bit like an odd design choice to me. And then I also don't really like the revive mechanic in a shooty game, you know, uh, whether it's third person or first person or whatever, because, you know, you could go out to res your buddy and you're just in the open and you just get shot at. And that doesn't feel as counterplay to me like i don't know it just seems less interesting to me whereas like rumbleverse was fully melee so and there was no execute so when you well kill some guy's buddy you know he's coming and if you're if you're gonna go in for the res someone has to approach you on foot they have to close that gap to get to you to threaten you so it's harder for them to just really cheese you out of being able to res your buddy they have to fight you face to face and i don't know it felt very dynamic and successful in that game well, the execute mechanic is definitely like another tactical thing because it's another choice you have to make because if you if you leave the person up you can bait the teammate into making bad decisions in order to try and res mm -hmm. but if you finish them then you know you're only versing one player if you're playing duos so in if if i'm playing duos i will often leave the guy alive because we know there's one other guy, he has to come res, pick this guy up. But if you're playing squads, it's usually better to finish the guy because there are three other people and it's much easier for them to get into a position to revive somebody while the others cover them kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, there's smoke grenades and stuff you can use to cover yourself while you revive. Oh, okay. So yeah. there's, there's like certain ways that you can do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's part of the punishing element of the game, I suppose. Uh, which adds to the stakes of the whole thing, which gets taken away. I, I don't hate Revive Mechanic. I think it was pretty good in Apex. I think it worked well in a game like that. Um, and it's obviously, it's more fun to be playing the video game. Like, you don't just want to sit there spectating your buddy. So I totally understand it. Uh, but at the same time, 
my most satisfying wins are in PUBG. They're not in Apex or or any other BR I've played because it just feels better to get a win. Yeah. Apex has my other pet peeve of game design, which is let's take an existing game and just add playable classes. Just different. You can choose a different class to play as. Mm -hmm. And that's our only innovation. And now we will be praised for like creativity and good game design. And it's like every genre of game has their version of that. Everyone's coming out with like, you know, Valorant's like, what if it's Counter-Strike, but just different classes you can play as. Ooh. And then it's like, all right, you know, I guess someone had to do it, but I'm also bored of that. I would like to see a new game. I would like to see you come up with a new task, a new rule set. I've been getting really hung up on this recently because I feel like <laughs> when somebody sits you down, they're like, hey, I want you to try this game. You should have to ask, like, what is expected of me? What's my goal? How do I do it? You shouldn't know how to play the game. It's a new game. I feel like so often now someone will be like, hey, this new game came out. Do you want to try it? And you load in and you already know everything you need to do because it's just there's way too much overlap with existing games or we're just repackaging something that exists. And at no point do you have any questions. I mean, hasn't that been happening forever? Yeah, forever. Oh, for I sure. Mean, but it's just been bothering me more. It's like, oh, I put in Sonic and I know how to play this because I played fucking Mario. I know how to run and jump. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. catch me defending Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but... Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I am in, I'm very in two minds. Like, I understand the want for uniqueness, but mm -hmm. also I worry that it's like a bit of a a false idol that people <laughs> pray to or whatever. I don't know how, totally. to, how to phrase this. Yeah. But people get really hung up on like, man, things have to be unique, whereas... I think interesting iteration can be just as valuable to making a game. Like, I don't know how much I would defend Apex, but it iterated in ways of, like, ways that I didn't personally like, as I was saying, but it added that revive mechanic in. It sped up the pace of the gameplay a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it altered the way, like, shield shielding functioned so that it was different to the armor system of PUBG. It was, like... Uh, a bit more akin to what Call of Duty ended up doing. So, you know, the pacing is totally different. To my mind, Apex is a very different game to PUBG um, and much more, like, emblematic of what BRs are now. I would say Apex iterated to a point, along with the Black Ops 4 or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know what Black Ops they were up to, but they did a BR that also added in these elements. So that was just the path that the BRs ended up going along and i mean I, I just don't know if i have that same hang up of like man i wish i could come into this game and it was completely new but i definitely get bothered i think i already talked about it with like lies of p where yeah mm -hmm. it's almost for me when they take things that are very like quintessential of one game like very specific to that game like dark souls weird ui structuring the way they p lay out their stats and stuff like, it's not even good. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's like, a pretty ugly way to lay out stats, and, like, it fits with that game, because DS1 is, like, this weird... At the time, it came out when Skyrim came out, and I remember thinking, like, man, like, this game's kind of ugly. Like, the character model for your character is, like, pretty hideous. 
I'm like it it's way dingier and it just graphically didn't look as nice. I ended up loving the way the visuals looked once I got into the game, but uh that and like the like the UI styling felt very clunky and old, which I also love, but at the time seemed like such an odd choice. And then it it strikes me as so weird that games like Lies of P, just because people are familiar with Dark Souls and how the stat system in UI works, they pretty much just took it wholesale directly from Dark Souls. And it's like, I can understand if you're taking features because, like, that's the best way to present it. Like, functionally, it's like, well, we can't do it any better than this right now. They're doing it the best way. Let's just use what they're doing. I can understand that. But when it's like, this is just a weird, like, oddity of this game. Let's take that wholesale to make our game appear more like their game. That's, I think, when I have some, you know, quibbles with uniqueness myself. Well, I think we're actually entirely in agreement because I, yeah, I would never dispute that this is like a, this has been happening forever, right? It's not a new thing. It's. <clears throat> as soon as you put a game out, someone will be like, oh, that's a cool game. And either the cynical perspective is I want to make money off that game. So I'll just make that game myself with slightly different graphics and then sell that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the genuinely uh, artistically ethical one, which is like, hey, I really like that game. But this one aspect of it bothers me. And I'd like to try that this other way. And then even better, now that we've done that, there are some other things we could change to even further support this core change we've made. And you have that game that's the same but innovative. I'm totally fine and I've always been fine with that. And I do that myself all the time. Like I had a game that I made that I was like, what if it was Plants vs. Zombies, but you also had a little character that you controlled uh, to help you fight the zombies, and you also had to dodge your own turrets. So just to make it much, much more frantic. Because my issue with tower defense games is there's so much just, like, waiting, you know, between mm. your economy set up and you just sit there watching it, and there's very little kind of... You're not making the decisions often enough. So I was like, oh, I'll fix that by having you control a character who does everything. And So anyway, that is to say I'd be a hypocrite if my problem was people doing that because that's totally legitimate and i love when people do that uh so i'm also in two minds where like yeah i appreciate that but i'm also just getting a little bit fatigued by how often i see like the same innovation like we've already done existing game with different playable classes so to do that for like the 15th time i'm like okay i'm not going to give you any credit for creativity because that's just obligatory at this point and i also sometimes worry that our barometer is off a little bit, especially if people are mostly playing these major releases. It's really easy to lose track of just how little creativity is actually involved. Whereas if you go on itch and you look up like a game jam and you just play random entries, you're going to play a lot of crap, a lot of stuff that's not good or unpolished or, or whatever. But you're also going to see a lot of like, holy crap, I've never played a game that asked me to do that. Or you open a game up and you just have no idea what to do because it has such a new ask of you. So I, I think a lot of the player base that exists right now just in the gaming sphere in general maybe isn't uh, as often exposed to that wacky, totally new kind of creativity. So it's not as clear how recycled the popular kind of successful stuff is 
And Mm -hmm. just over the last few years, the more I've been doing that, the more I've been seeing this like, holy crap, this is creative kind of game. And it just gets me so excited and so inspired, especially if that game is then also good and fun. That's a nice bonus, you know, Uh, that now it's been starting to bother me more recently. This thing that's always been happening is starting to really bug me where a game comes out and I look at it and I'm like, I've seen this game before. Why are we selling this game again why aren't we making the cool stuff why aren't we taking these crazy new ideas that i'm seeing in the totally unknown indie sphere and giving them a lot of money to make the crazy stuff like that you know so i don't think it would bother me if both were happening but i see a little too much of the one is all i'm saying i think this is kind of my problem with gz doom uh like wads a lot of the time actually to bring us to off topic again, but also <laughs> onto a topic that people who are familiar with us might actually care about, which is Doom. I do feel like GZ Doom mods, for some reason, you have access to literally like unlimited functionality when you map in UDMF. Like you can make a whole new game in the GZ Doom engine if you want to. Mm-hmm. And people do do that, which is really cool. But I find that there's like the middle ground of that. It's usually just, it's a Doom map with mostly stuff you could do in Boom with some slopes and like 3D floors and stuff a lot of the time, which is fine. But I would love to see like, I mean, having like workshopped and and worked on a lot of like conceptual stuff for like a GZ Doom project, the kind of stuff that we were coming up with was like, let's try to come up with stuff that there's no way you could do this shit in boom and and like some of the stuff that we came up with was absolutely insane like i would just love to see a wad that comes out and it looks like lullaby or whatever but it plays like nothing you've seen in doom before like moving 3d platforms and things like this and you know fights that are taking place in environments that are impossible in boom with obstacles that you wouldn't encounter in a boom map because you can't do them without some kind of scripting just the amount of stuff that you could do in udmf uh and obviously look these there are wads out there that exist that do this but i just feel like it's so rare for big releases that come out of the gz doom community to to really focus on gameplay as a major factor rather than visuals and really push gameplay to like its its limits within like what you can do in UDMF while still keeping it feeling like Doom. I would just love to see that kind of stuff because I love the UDMF format. I'm not I mean I'm not not really a secret that I'm not a huge fan of GC Doom as a port, but I really like UDMF as a format. I think it's really cool. And I would just love to see some of that stuff being made. Yeah, there's there's no problem with people who are just playing Doom and enjoying Doom and they happen to use GZ Doom as their source port. So they just want to make a normal Doom map for fun and they make one in GZ Doom and that's totally fine. And it sounds like you're not upset with those people uh, <laughs> mapping like that or anything, but just this overall situation where it's like, hey, we have this tool that can do fucking anything. Why aren't we doing anything? Mm -hmm. uh with it or it's so rare yeah i remember uh however many years ago it was but it's like an old uh i think it it was probably it might have been on like skull tag at the time i can't remember how long ago this was but it was that 
doom mod someone came out where it's just like speed running and collecting all the coins i forget when that one's called if oh you know skull dash oh it was skull dash yeah maybe that's why i was thinking skull tag maybe it wasn't actually yeah, for yeah. skull tag when I did. but yeah like that like dragonfly would <laughs> that's awesome um yeah i apologize for not remembering uh the specifics of it because i just i'm not on gz doom but i did try that and like that's fun it's just hey here's a new task to do uh within cheesy doom and mod it up like that that's fun and that's kind of where i'm at where like beyond gz doom even in just game dev in general you can literally do anything you could imagine there is no limit and i'm seeing too much of oh it's a 2d platformer but you have a grappling hook and it's like, I've seen that before. I've played that game before. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm assuming here, though, you're, you're mostly focusing on AAA and AA, though, when you're talking. Um, about maybe, but even like, even in the indie sphere, there's a lot of like, here's our new roguelite top-down shooter where you get like wacky guns and power-ups. And it's like this, like, I'll just go play Enter the Gungeon. You know, I don't need mm-hmm. you to make another one of those. So again, it's not not upset with those people, not bothered by those developers, because they might just go, hey, I like this genre of game. I want to make one. That would be a fun artistic experience. That's great. I like it even better if they're like, but, and they innovate one specific thing that makes it feel very unique. That's also great. I'm not seeing a lot of like, hey, I there's no word for the genre of game I'm about to try to make, and it might suck and in fact i see a lot of people like i want to make a game and they're like i'm gonna make an fps and that's that already makes me a little bit they're welcome to but it makes me a little bit sad creatively because it's like why even limit yourself to that just like come up with any kind of task or idea don't try to figure out don't have a genre going in or you're already putting yourself in a box i feel and mm-hmm. i don't know it's a hard thing to talk about because i'm really not trying to I'm really not bothered by anybody doing what makes them happy artistically and creatively, but it's just like, man, the the cool. What if it's murder? What if it's serial killing? Uh, who are we killing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what group? No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete this. <laughs> I refuse. Um, I think it's just like I see these very rough around the edges because they were made in like two days jam games with an idea i could never have fathomed and i think like man if this were a full four-hour game how cool would that be and it won't ever be because they're just not going to have the the resources to do that it just happens so often i would love to go on steam and it's like popular on steam here's the new release and it's a game that when i load it up i have to ask like what am i even doing like what's the goal here and that just never happens almost never it's always like oh it's a shooter go shoot the guys that's uh, i don't know i don't know i'm just bored i mean it's also like i don't know i'm not gonna get started on tutorialization again because i feel like i just fucking bitch about it so much but i was watching somebody play hi-fi rush for the first time which that is a cool, pretty unique game, so it doesn't really fit under your uh for what it is umbrella yeah. of uh not very unique games, but um Well Fuck me did it have a lot of tutorials, dude. I was watching this person play and it was like 
they take you out of the regular game space to put you into a tutorial game space where they take you through how to do each like combo or whatever and i get that like it's like got this rhythm element which is like very different to other games so they probably feel like they have to baby you through it a little bit but Mm -hmm. if i was playing that game i feel like i would have wanted to switch it off like within the first like 15 minutes because it's like cutscene followed by tutorial mission followed by actual tutorials you're forced to read and write and then there's hint robots around that you talk to and they want to give you hints all the time and they're everywhere and then more tutorials like over and over again with someone like spoon feeding you how to do it and if you mess up they make you redo the tutorial and it's like that kind of shit drives me absolutely insane just let me play the fucking game and if i mess up I'm sure there will be something that punishes me and then I will learn from the punishment, you know? Yeah, like teach me what I'm doing, but don't make me practice it on your time. Just let me kind of get the hang of it as I go. But that, oh, yeah, that, I get pet peeve about that too. But that's actually exactly the type of game I'm talking about. Like it's oh. it's enough. It's plenty enough, right? They've they've done some fun, neat stuff with it where I'm like, hey, I'm I'm glad this exists. Obviously, someone was very passionate about it. Would never badmouth that game. But that is the exact kind of, it's just a 3D platformer beat-em-up. They, they put a cool rhythm mechanic in it, and there's, there's lots of flavorings that make it their own thing, and that's great, and that is more than enough, creatively speaking. But I'm not excited about it, because there, I don't have that question of what am I doing and how do I do it? It's what you're going to run through here and beat up all the little guys, and then eventually there's going to be a big boss guy, and you beat him up too. And it's like, okay, I've done that a million times. Like that, that's what I'm talking about with our barometer being off is people are so impressed by a game like Hi-Fi Rush. And, and again, like full credit, I'm not bad mouthing this game at all. It's plenty. It's just interesting to me. I'm just noticing that people will be like, wow, look at this. And it's, it's just a dressed up. 3D platformer beat em up. The core of the game is something you have done a thousand times. I'm talking about, like, in Ludum Dare, the most recent one, uh, I stumbled upon this game called Stretchmancer that I was like, wow, look at that. I sent it to Ponky. I put it in a game dev Discord I was in. And I was like, you guys got to check out the Stretchmancer game. Uh, and again, it's a game jam game, so very bare bones, not necessarily ready for a market product but it was you're walking around the environment and you could push on the walls or the ceiling and the entire world would stretch out and so it was this puzzle uh ish game about like trying to you know reach the destination by just warping the entire world Mm -hmm. and it was like that's cool so i had to be i had to have that moment where i was like wait what am i doing like what are you talking about and then be taught a little bit about the task at hand and i you know thought that was cool and i don't know that necessarily that concept has enough legs for a full game often they don't but every now and then one will come out well that's the thing right i don't know i think it's interesting because i like i i feel like you end up with the same problem on the other end where it's they focus on a unique concept and and it it's just like a gimmick a lot of the time yeah and they're trying, because they're so desperate to be unique, they make something that, like, fundamentally just isn't actually that good or fun. And I feel like you end up with the same problem on the opposite end of, like, 
well, this game just kind of sucks, even though, like, yeah, I haven't played anything like it before, but that's not really enough to pull me through. Yeah, and this was kind of like that, where while I was playing it, I was like, okay, like, I'm kind of done with this before even the small jam version's done, but still full respect for the creativity. But yeah, you're sitting there wondering, like, I don't know if this would make it into a full game or how you would do it, but maybe you can. Like, I, I didn't have the mind to come up with the idea, so maybe I don't have the mind to develop it. Maybe the people, the team that made that, would do a stellar job with a full like you know 10 hour game or whatever it is and i also have to say before someone looks it up and tries to read me out that that game ended up winning ludum dare which was awesome and i got major street cred or i demanded sorry major street cred in my game dev discord where i was like i called it um but i didn't find it because it was this number one post but i thought it was very fitting just you know, just before someone hears me like, oh, I stumbled upon this game because it won Ludum Dare. But like mm-hmm. as an example, uh I wanna say Lucas Pope. I'm so sorry if I'm wrong on that, but like Return of the Obra Din, mm-hmm. right? That is a fully developed and fleshed out game with such a unique conceit that when you get in like someone needs to explain the game to you if you're watching someone play you'd have to be like what are you doing right now like what are you what's the goal and how do you do it and it's like you you know you board this ship with your time traveling watch uh pocket watch thing and you can uh find human remains and you can look back in time to the moment of their death and you have to figure out who it was and what role they served on the ship and how they died. And once you've done that for every single crew member in the ship's roster, then you've won the game. So like as an umbrella term, if you wanted to be really lazy, you could just say puzzle game and then be like, well, I've played puzzle games. But if you're actually looking at the conceit of what you're doing, that was so neat and fresh when that came out. And like, if every game were like that, oh my god, I'd I'd just be cream in my drawers. Well, yeah, but every you day. Ask, <laughs> I feel like you're asking a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> and there's room for the other games, as we said. Just make a new genre, please. Every time you make a new game, that would be cool. Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, I'm just saying, like, I get so excited about those, so enamored, and I would love it if instead of that being like 0.5 percent of games that found success if it were even just like 10 percent i that would be so cool uh that's what gets me excited that's what gets me impassioned about gaming that's what gets me ready to say like games are art this is how we know games are art that game is creative front to back its presentation is creative like everything about it is just invented it's amazing it's true obviously like it's true obviously that these types of games are like let's aspire to do that or whatever but for me like if there's enough like intentionality and like enough thought put into just like slight innovations and mm-hmm. and things that i'd hope to see in games like like boulder's gate for instance where like obviously those types of isometric games exist it's very similar to divinity which they'd already done but it just takes things to that that extra level that makes it like oh shit like you can do these types of things in this kind of game like yeah you know just being able to handle combat scenarios in such a variety of ways or or you know being able to handle situations in such a variety of ways and and you know all of that within such an in-depth world like these are it, a lot of the time it's the type of thing where you're playing another game and you're like 
I really like this game, but I wish it could do this. And that's where so many of these game devs end up, like, that's why they end up making these games, you know, where it's like, well, I really love Dark Souls, but I wish I was fucking Pinocchio. You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm in complete agreement. Yeah. I guess it's just for me, that's where the bar is. If you're doing that, I'm like, great. Welcome. Welcome to Steam. You know, welcome to the marketplace. Welcome to I will play your game and I'll say, hey, great game. Great job. And then my at full aspiration is the thing like that's like Return of the Oberdin, where it's like I could have never even dreamed this up. Uh, I'm so glad you introduced me to the idea of this fucking concept existing. I think that's great. And I'll only really bitch about the stuff that's like the obvious cash grab, the obvious, well, we just made this game that already existed and now it's our game, you know, or like the 25th FIFA game. Well, it's funny you're talking about this, but you're also, you've also been talking a lot about how much you've been enjoying playing Pokemon Unite. No, that that's fair. Yeah. Well, exactly. Because again, like I'm, that's where the bar is so like you know dota is awesome when league comes out i suppose this is over the bar i suppose but they're just basically like what if it was dota but like simpler and you can cast your spells because you know it's fucking fun to cast your spells hey dota there was also heroes of new with between these two i should point out yeah just to just a point like the big ones right the really famous ones everyone will know what i'm talking about if you look at League, right, it's like, hey, it sucks when you're playing Tiny and Dota and you can't even cast a fucking spell till you're like level five or whatever it is. And then you can only cast it one time. I get that that's strategically interesting and I understand the appeal of that. But there's also a fun and just, hey, give me enough mana that I can just cast my fucking spells because that's why I'm playing this character and it's fun. But anyway, League is just Dota, but like a little simpler. You know, like it's the exact same fucking game, but easier to learn. And there's less to have to master about it, less strategy involved. You're not like <laughs> eating trees to heal and using your little shop courier guy and scheduling him out and sharing him with other lames and etc. But Pokemon Unite comes out and it's like, yeah, let's do this MOBA, which is the like your team versus their team whoever wins and you got the lanes okay quick i just want to insert that heroes of the storm also exists that's true i feel like that's also a stepping stone to get to perk there's a there's a million i should say well there's also there's also smite smite exists if you want to just start naming mobas smite does not exist let's not talk about smite (laughs) but like (laughs) yes all those smite league dota i'm just saying i think that there's a trajectory from dota to league to Heroes of the Storm to Pokemon Unite, so yeah, I definitely. And I'm not super the familiar. Worst MOBA into the conversation. <laughs> I'm not super uh, familiar with Heroes of the Storm myself. I, I haven't played it, but uh, I've watched a lot of Smite, and then I played Dota and League, and now I'm playing Pokemon Unite. But anyway, f- so from my perspective, at least, Pokemon Unite comes along, and they're like farming the Creep Wave is fucking boring. Wrong. Like that's the okay. worst part. Incorrect. Were for me, worst part of the MOBA. The MOBA. Sure. I hate it. Uh, so they're like, what if we just... What was common denominator? Got it. Yeah. What if we... That's me. What if we... <laughs> I was voted lowest common denominator in high school. Oh, wow. Um, what if we just get rid of the creep wave and there's just like neutral camps around the map and you just go out and you're always fighting over them in a zero-sum game sort of situation. So not I farm mm-hmm. my creep and you farm yours and we're last sitting for gold. 
But instead, it's like, if I take this creep, you don't get it because we're fighting over the same one. So immediately, I like that innovation because I play Pokemon Unite. I run to lane and I'm in a fight immediately. I'm fucking this guy up instantly. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's trimming the fat a bit and it's more fun. So that's an innovation. And then there's the fat is flavor. I think strictly, I think that's an innovation. I think that's a fundamental change to how the game goes. There's no creep wave pushing or rhythm to it there's no uh long 15 minute laning phase where you're last hitting for gold it's all about like fighting over a limited resource i think that's a fundamentally different task and i think it's better and then they bring in uh, a strict 10 minute time limit so the game can't just run into a oh i've been stuck in this game for two hours i can't win and the enemy team's playing broken build simulator and my team won't let me surrender that to me for my taste that's just a flaw with the moba formula oops we fucked up the game design so for me to have a game come in and say it's 10 minutes that's it and we're going to change the goal of the game so it's most points in 10 minutes and then it's over a dream that would drive me nuts i love it i love that i have to go to bed in 20 minutes and i know i can play two more games i really hate that it's like well it's not so much the the 10 minutes and i understand they need a way it's like okay well if we're sticking to a fixed 10 minute thing then it's got to be something that determines it yeah when the time limit runs out but to me it's just like the game ending and like i just really don't like that feeling of it of it ending and then it's like oh well it's just because of the score or whatever that we won it's not yeah dota is always like events happen and then the ancient dies one way or another yeah. That's how you win or lose. So yeah, that's more satisfying. It's a very fixed thing. And don't, like, I will say that, you're to- well, Pokemon United sounds like the only thing that sounds to me like an innovation is the 10-minute time limit because all the other stuff pretty much exists in HOTS. Like, Heroes of the Storm is pretty much all about fighting. They have a creep wave, but um, last hitting isn't really part of the game and like experience is shared between everybody anyway i think experience and gold is shared between everybody yeah actually no i think they just give experience because i don't think there are items in heroes of the storm so it's pretty much exactly the same as what you're describing it's way more combat focused yeah but there is still like a push element for objectives or whatever it's just a lot more stripped back yeah definitely what you're describing sounds like an innovation here as a storm made I do think the Pokemon situation is a little bit different, though. Like, it's just a fundamentally different task during the laning phase, which is like two and a half minutes long, which is awesome. But there's other things that aren't like, it depends what we're calling an innovation. But I think it's also neat that the standard MOBA formula is like, I picked my character and I have my four skills and I unlock all four of my skills. Whereas in Pokemon Unite, you have four skills to choose from, but you only get two for the whole game so when you level up to level five and you're unlocking a new skill you pick one of two and that's the one you have for the rest of the game now i'm not sure that actually works in the way that they were hoping it would because you end up in a situation where there's just an objectively best build for most of these characters yeah that sounds really really bad to me yeah but there there are some characters where it's personal preference which is fun and there are some where you're looking at the enemy team composition and you're like i'm gonna take this move instead of this other move because it straight up counters that guy whereas i wouldn't normally take it in a different situation so when it works very cool most of the time though i think it doesn't work but i respect the experiment i respect the innovation 
I also love that there's no gold. Uh, I don't like how many fucking compounding advantages you get in a game like League, where you have a slight edge maybe in skill uh, against your lane opponent and you kill them, and now you have a fucking huge advantage because you got XP for killing them. They're missing out on XP for not being in the lane. You got gold for killing them. They're missing out on gold for not being in the lane. You're going to go back, buy an item they don't have, and now they have to lane with you again, and you're even more likely to be able to kill them the next time that you scuff it up a little bit. So I'm not a huge fan of that, and I love in Unite that you just pick your items going into the game for whatever build you want, and you have them. So it's much simpler. There's a ton of comeback mechanics built into the game. There's a, there's just the small tweaky innovations. There's like a hundred of them, and it's all really interesting. But there's also those fundamental changes like no creep wave and uh, and some interesting things like that. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm very much the complete opposite end of this conversation to you where I think that I like I like Dota because it's complex and it's such a game of small advantages like mm-hmm. like the laning phase is like you know you deny a certain amount of creeps from the other person and maybe you now have a level advantage maybe you get to level six first which is the level where you get your ultimate because you denied a couple of extra creeps and now you can push that advantage hugely. Maybe you can get a kill because you got your ultimate and now they're at even more of a disadvantage. And the ability to do that and then mix into that the ability for that other person to then counterplay, like if if they can get their teammate to come to the lane and gank or, or something to rebalance or... I mean, you have so many small things you can do during a laning phase of like... Yeah. Uh, you know, you always want the creep wave to be in the safest possible place for you uh, so that you can farm. You want to be close to your tower so that your team can react to fights that might happen or whatever. And so that you're not further up out of position and can get killed more easily. And there's a lot of things you can do to like pull the creep wave back so it's like closer to where you need to be. There's just so many minute little things you can do so many mistakes you can make that you slowly slowly learn to correct over time and every single one of the like over 100 heroes plays like the laning phase slightly differently mm-hmm. and then that's just the beginning of the game <laughs> you move into the mid game and then the late game and they all have these completely different aspects through them like mid game is all about ganking and trying to push advantages to get, like, towers and stuff so that you can get more space on the map. Uh, Different compositions are going to play the map completely differently. It's the most complex game that exists, potentially, in terms of, like, uh, for video games anyway. Um, uh, Like, multiplayer ones. Yeah. And I just, I love that there's so much to learn every time. Every single game you play, there's, like, something you can learn from it, which... I think makes the incredible lows of that game <laughs> palatable <laughs> because I, yeah, I, I think what you're saying where it's like, it's great that there's a 10 minute limit or whatever. And then the game is just over. Uh, and you're saying you think it's a fundamental floor in games where like you're stuck with these people and you might not be able to win. Like maybe the other team is at like a huge advantage and it just feels hopeless or whatever. But I've had so many games in Dota 2 where the enemy team 
has like a 10, 15,000 gold lead, 15,000 experience in lead, which these are massive leads for people who haven't played Dota 2. And my team has actually rallied together and we've managed to like get pickoffs, get objectives, slowly claw, like claw our way back into the game. And then we end up winning or like the team does some massive throw right outside their base where we just team wipe them and then we're able to finish and the game's over in an instant and we've just flipped the entire game on its head and you just don't get the incredible amount of satisfaction that you get from those moments when oh well we were 50 points ahead and the time limit ran out <laughs> so we won <laughs> you know no you absolutely do that's uh, that's not a fair comparison at all but i agree with everything else you're saying i, I respect that a lot i don't tend to enjoy those small advantages as much because they can there's so many more opportunities for frustration prolonged frustration and tilts and of just course the yeah. Of the games. yeah but no the last thing you've said i take issue with because pokemon unite is like in fact to a point where stupid people complained about it and i will call them out but it is 100 percent a last minute flip game where you pull it together and you steal a game you had no business winning uh, and that was really upsetting the community for a while because I think people were very used to games like Dota where it's like, you know, you get that lead and you're very likely, like if you're smashing the game, you're enormously likely to win it. Uh, whereas in Unite, it's very easy to just be stupid at the last objective in the game and just throw the whole thing. Uh, is a, originally in the game, the last objective that spawns at the two-minute mark is Zapdos. And whatever team kills Zapdos completely deactivates uh, the like goal defenses of the other teams. You can just run up and score all your points. You could score your 50 stack instantly. No one can stop you. And it's the last two minutes of the game, so everything's worth double. This sounds terrible to me. This sounds like such a forced... This sounds like rubber band in Mario Kart level of, like, trying to force a comeback mechanic in a game, to me. Yeah, that's that's the complaint that the stupid people were giving, for sure. Um, <laughs> people, people didn't like it because uh, they had this mentality like, oh, I've been crushing all game. You know, my team's 350 points ahead. But oh, just because the other team kills Zapdos, so they scored 400 points off of it. Like now they win the whole game. But like the equivalent argument to that in my mind is like, hey, I've been crushing this other team in Dota all day. Like we're just destroying them. We're 15,000 gold up. Every team fight we get in, we crush them. But this guy just backdoors my base and destroys my ancient and we just lose. Like, that's fucking stupid. We're winning. Like, we should, we deserve to win because we're crushing. And it's like, yeah, the, the goal of the game is to destroy the yeah. ancient. So if you do that, you it's lose. It's not equivalent. I wouldn't it call is. that equivalent there. It's not equivalent well, the, there. The goal because of to, in order to get to the ancient, you have to have pushed certain other advantages earlier in order to have taken out at least a tier three tower. And then yeah. you need a creep wave in the base. And then the tier four towers also have to be destroyed. I'm trying Which to explain is that very to you. unlikely in a game. <laughs> well, have I'm you, just saying that have you the way Unite? that advantages and disadvantages work in Dota is not the same. You don't have like Roshan doesn't appear in the middle of the map and it's like, "Oh, well we better rush and we got to kill Roshan and if if one of us gets Roshan, then that 15,000 gold lead is gone." That's like the game doesn't really function that way. So I don't I don't really think there's an equivalent in Dota to that. Have you played Unite yourself? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, the the point of the game is like it's about the Zapdos objective. That's kind of the game. Mm -hmm. So you're okay. 
and it's changed since then, but at that point, it's the reason you're scoring goals early is because you want to be the team who doesn't need to take Zapdos. You want to be defending Zapdos. It's not both teams trying to take it, although you, you could. If you wipe the entire enemy team, you could just take it as a bonus and crush even more. But the point is, if you have the point advantage, you get to be five guys and Zapdos versus five guys. And then maybe they pull out a win and they beat you. Okay, so it's laid out pretty early that like Zapdos is like, you're building up to this from the beginning. That's what it's for. Yeah, you're trying to get an experience lead so you can win the big fight at Zapdos. You're trying to get a goal score lead so that you don't need to beat Zapdos for the win. You're defending with him because then even if you mess it up and the other team beats you and beats Zapdos... There's like one or two of them alive left. That's not enough people to turn the whole score around, even with their free goals. So the only reason you're going to lose on this flip, if you're truly crushing the game, you're up in goals, is if you do something so stupid that you let like the entire, the enemy team take Zapdos and wipe your whole team, and there's enough of them still alive that they can turn the point total back around. So it's rare that... Um, that should be a thing that can happen if you really are truly crushing. Like, there's a lot okay, that you yeah. have well, to fuck up for that to take yeah, place. With that added context, it sounds yeah, it sounds less flippy than you're saying. But well, yeah, the, I it, used are you saying that this is this is the intention behind Zapdos to be thinking about it in this way, or is that the meta game surrounding? I mean, I'm not in the minds of the devs, but that was immediately what the game turned into revolving around if you were playing with a strategic team who wanted to win because it's just that's what you do if you don't do that if you're not playing around zapdos so zapdos like joins you and comes and fucks that shit up or something is that like what does he do uh well he just appears at a central point in the map and then all the there's a big team fight that can take place there you're just you're trying to keep the other team out of the zapdos area or if they come in kill them all and then just kill them as they trickle in or wipe the whole team, steal Zapdos from them. Or if you need Zapdos to win, you have to win that team fight, take Zapdos. Or if the other team's doing it, you snipe it. But what does Zapdos do? Zapdos is once he's dead for like 30 seconds, 15, I forget the time limit. For some amount of time, you can skull gores. <laughs> you can, you can score goals. goals. Good Thank you. Right, right. For free. You can score goals instantly, yeah, at the enemy base. So. If you can kill Zapdos and then walk all the way to the enemy base, you get free scores and they're worth double points. So anyway, people were bitching about that back when it, the game first came out. And I think it was because they were looking at it as a comeback mechanic instead of like the point of the game. And they're, you know, essentially complaining like, oh, we lose just because they scored more than us. And it's like, yes, that's the fucking point of the game. It's interesting. I don't know if I like the double points aspect of it. I think that yeah. does sound a little like they were trying to make it a comeback kind of thing that but, yeah i think so that was another common contention at the time is like you know yeah. zapdos is fine it's double points that are the problem it's all uh i'd have to play the game i'm not really yeah it's difficult yeah. to to talk about it without having played it and, and again dirt is like very different in the way there's kinds of object like roshan would be the equivalent objective i suppose but it's not like he appears at the end of the game only like he's there throughout the game and yeah he's more designed to be like a you kill him so that you can push high ground because you get a really useful item from him yeah so yeah. yeah it's like 
apples and oranges a little bit. Baron and League, where you get a big buff for the whole team. Because there's mm-hmm. objectives like that in, in Unite as well. But anyway, I think the other problem with it that people were complaining is that you're just going in solo queue and you're playing with randos. And so there's just no team coordination. And what I'm about to say is... Yeah, well, that's every multiplayer game. Well, it is. But what I'm about to say is an objective fact. And that's that Pokemon Unite has the worst matchmaking in the genre. And it's not even close. And it has the least talented player base in the genre. <laughs> Oh, you're and probably playing with close. children, right? Exactly. You're playing with children. <laughs> They're about to a fucking shit-talking 12-year-olds or these whatever. These kids, like, dude. These fucking idiots in Pokemon <laughs> Unite. It's They don't the even worst. know how to spell. I just can't fucking believe it. Yeah. And the game just does not teach you how to play it. It just doesn't flat out. So yeah. if you're going on YouTube and you're reading guides about these are the objectives, these, is what they, these are what they do... This is what you need to be doing at these various points in the game. Then you have the game sense and you'll be playing well. But if you're not doing that, the game does nothing to teach you that. So people will just Zapdos spawns. It's time for the big Zapdos fight. And there'll be people just fuck off farming somewhere else on the map trying to like level up. And it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) We need you with the team fight. And they just don't know. Yeah, I mean, building an understanding of minimap usage and stuff in MOBAs is... I mean, it took me so long to understand that I need to be checking my minimap constantly. Yeah. Dota. Like, Where's the jungler? I mean, fuck me, dude. I don't know how anybody gets into Dota 2. I barely even understand how I got into that game. Like, I, my friend had a beta key, and he gave me a beta key, and we just played together. And neither of us knew what the fuck we were doing. Mm-hmm. I thought I was a god at the game. I was like, I'm killing so many people every game. Yeah. I'm doing really well. And then... Uh, this guy at work was like, oh, you played Dota 2? Like, me and my friends play that. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, like, I can't remember how the conversation went, but it boiled down to, like, me saying, like, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty decent at the game. And he looked at me like, you're not. Like, he knew I wasn't. <laughs> you don't have 30,000 hours. And we played together. <laughs> yeah, these dudes were, like, they'd played Han for, like, years. I think maybe they played a bit of Dota 1 as well. So they they were playing like real matches and I joined them thinking I knew how to, I didn't even know what a support was. Like right. I was building like carry items on a support hero and, <laughs> and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're playing, because I just pl- played one hero, I played Bane. And they were like, oh, you're playing this hero, that's like a support hero. So like you, you want to do this and you want to buy Observer Woods. And I was like, what the fuck is an Observer Wood? And, like, I just got thrown into, at the time, what would have been, like, three to four K MMR games as somebody <laughs> who was probably the equivalent of, like, 500 MMR or something. Like, yeah, literally just started playing the game. And it was just such a crazy jump up in, like, oh, God, there are, like, jobs I need to do in this game. Like, I'm supposed to be doing very specific things that I had no idea even existed. And the game never explained any of this to me. Mm-hmm. it was such a like thrown in the deep end experience and they have some tutorials and like stuff you can play with now i think you'll you have a limited pool of heroes that you can play that are like the simpler heroes when you begin playing dota for, like your first 10 20 games something like that and i think they lock the really hard heroes like meepo and chen who are like micro intensive heroes they like lock them away for like maybe 50 games or something i don't actually know but it's a certain amount of games 
and that way you can get kind of a bit more used to the simpler heroes. But bar that, I really don't understand how anybody can learn how to play these video games. They're just so convoluted. I know. And like the, the what's nice about Unite is that the micro is much simpler. Just mm-hmm. piloting your guy around. First of all, like analog stick to move the character. Thank fucking God, man. I understand. Oh, I forgot. It's like a controller. Yeah, it's you play it on the Switch or I guess your phone too. Um, but yeah, like I the the click to move I can't stand, but like the click targeting's nice. You can have more target selection, and again, there's that strategic benefit. But like learning to just pilot your character and use your moves and things of that nature are so much easier in Unite. But like the macro game is still very hard to understand. Where do I need to be? At what point? What objectives are important? How can I best help my team? Things like that. Well, and the game, yeah, just doesn't teach you. It just does nothing to teach you. So everybody sucks. Like 90% of the player base is irredeemable garbage. They're so bad it would blow your mind. Like whatever you're picturing, you're wrong. By the way, I want everyone to picture literal children while Sebat is saying. Some of them are adults. They'll get on the voice chat and you can hear them like screaming at you in Spanish. And it's like, (laughs) oh, this is a fully grown man who doesn't know how to play this game and is mad at me because I know how to play the game. That's the kid's dad behind him. (laughs) That's not him. Okay, (laughs) he's just wearing the headset (laughs) so that like you don't say a swear to his child. It's wild. And also like the ranking system doesn't help either because you know in in league for example i don't remember where the cutoff is but the way pokemon unite works is if in league what is it challenger is that the highest tier and that was like diamond or something like that maybe sounds correct i, I don't play leagues so. the way it works in unite is if you were in challenger in league you could have not only diamond players gold players and you and not only gold but the lowest tier of gold so like gold five or however low it goes those players can be in your challenger games and they will be like it's just this hugely wide net because they want to get into the games really quick so you load up you're in master rank and you're hoping you would only see master rank players but you'll see people who do not even know that they need to go to their lane like you'll see those players in your games and then the the system's also designed to bubble everybody up to the top rank eventually so if you have a perfectly 50 percent win rate you climb and you climb at kind of a decent rate too which is insane i'm kind of i i, I did actually want to play this game when it came out but uh i don't know if I, like i would play with you but i don't know if i want to play uh like a mobile game on ping is the problem yeah the australia on, like, ping would be rough well to you as well canada is worse than the u.s it's usually like 300 <laughs> or something yeah bad. that would be rough maybe not a good time but the game's I've a played blast. Dota on i can play dota on like us west where it's like 180 like i can i can play on that but oh, i've yeah, tried playing like us east and it's dog yeah, shit. that's me us east baby no the game the game's a blast but you definitely need like at least i want to say four friends you need your entire team to be your friends to keep your sanity playing that game because <laughs> you go in solo queue and it's a hellscape dude. i don't think it's i unreal. i don't know if i could ever get to a point of caring enough about pokemon united to be that Ooh. frustrated with it but it, you're not understanding how bad the players are like it's when you get a bad player in league or dota like you'll know you'll be like this dude sucks but it's so much worse in Unite. It's like someone will call bottom and then not go bottom. Or your jungler 
will come to lane for the first gank and then never go back to the jungle. They just lane with you now for the rest of the game at like just fundamental role misunderstandings, like you building your damage items on a support and not knowing that you need to buy wards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's that kind of stuff, but just forever, every game, someone will do something that is like, dude, what are you That's doing? Like a really good game. Uh, it's, it's painful if you don't have buddies to play it with, but yeah, very flawed, but like the core conceit of the gameplay goals and tasks, I think I find them very refreshing. And well, it's funny to me because you're talking about how it's like simplified and stuff and how yeah. the micro elements are simplified. Yep. Because you have less skills, you're moving around with a controller. It's like, you know, I'd imagine like mostly directional abilities, things like that. Uh, um, yeah. But I, my assumption would be that if you reduce the difficulty of the micro, people can focus more on the macro and should be better at those elements you would think so yeah but but (laughs) the evidence states the contrary because in dota it's it's fucking everything man that's like yeah that's true that's something that dota has that unite doesn't is people who like the micro is can be awful or someone like just doesn't know how to even walk around properly or move their camera at all because you got to do like cursor near the side of the screen to move the camera and people need like a hundred hours to adapt to that for the first time well, so, you can yeah. move the camera in a lot of different ways and do it if you want. Some people do edge pan and, and stuff, but gotcha. it's My dependent. Mistake. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dota, I can't imagine playing a fucking mobile with a controller, though. Like, it sounds kind of horrible to me. Oh, it's, it's just great. The, I mean, it's obviously built for it, so I'm sure it's fine, but, like, Dota has a lot of cool shit that you can only really... I mean, you could do it with a controller, but I would imagine that you're just moving your little dude around like it's a third-person... Mm-hmm. game or like an isometric game right where you don't have a cursor to target your abilities do you i think by isometric you mean top down maybe because i you've said that twice now I, I think do you just mean top down well not top down it's like it's top down but it's an angle like a 45 degree angle yeah, it's not actually top down top down gotcha yeah, yeah 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 it's like that you're just piloting your character yeah there's skill shots it's you know it's really interesting actually and this might be what you're asking is Obviously, you play Dota if you've got an on-target move or just your mm-hmm. auto attack. If you're a ranged attacker, you just click on the target that you want to hit and you'll attack them. Uh-huh. And Unite, it doesn't work like that. You have three options where you can either hit the closest target or the lowest percent HP target or the lowest actual number of health target. So you can set that up in your settings and then okay, that's what so, happens. So there's an auto attack function in this game? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you'll have your ranged auto that attackers and your melee really auto attackers. And okay. It's hard to get used to, but it's in some I ways it's kind of I just feel like I wouldn't even bother having them in the game. I just make it like all ability based, but e- to each their own. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know what? Actually, just it also comes to mind another innovation that I thought was neat is there's no mana whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You only have cooldowns on your skills. So as soon as your skills off cooldown, you can use it again. So that's another nice little simplification. And it makes the game, uh, I think, just more fun because you just don't have to stress about your mana. Like that's just, I'm not excited about managing my mana total personally. I understand that's another. I don't know, dude. Again, it's like a little moment to moment stuff in Dota where it's like. Yeah, skill expression. Because everyone's checking each other's mana in the laning phase. And it's like, well, if they. 
if they don't check your mana, then it's like you mm. might have just gotten enough mana to use both of your spells or something, which is a combo <laughs> that's like big enough to kill them, but they didn't check your mana, so yeah, like they fucked up, and now it's like this tiny advantage that you've just turned into a huge advantage, or like you know you click on them and they you know they have no mana, so that you you know that you can like win a trade with them by just spending a bit of mana or like fighting them and you know they're not gonna be able to do anything yeah so yeah yeah that's two yeah. two different and i think i could play pokemon and i and have like a really enjoyable time but i think the whole time i would be wishing it had more depth <laughs> would probably be how i would feel it, yeah it's just that the depth is all in the macro some characters are really hard to play like there's there's some char- comparatively there are some characters that are tricky, but most of them are very straightforward because it's trying to be very beginner friendly in that regard. But there is a of lot of uh, uh, of the macro play that's you even ask, you know, the pro players like, what should I be doing in a situation? Like, well, it depends. Like, it's complicated. The pro players. Yeah, there's a pro scene. Perk, perk one United pro players. Yeah, it's um, it's just gamier. Like I think is what it is for me. It's there's less like, yeah, there's more skill expression in a game like Dota because there's more to learn and more to execute on and more to take advantage of. But uh, that's not necessarily strictly better. It obviously is based on your tastes. And I like that Unite is just kind of the most fun elements, uh, despite the game fundamentally not working because the matchmaking system is (laughs) bereft of any logic or value. It sounds like a big Nintendo issue in general with multiplayer they don't get it well i wanted to say the one question you asked that i think is really interesting is in a game like league or dota you can you have full control over who you're attacking mm-hmm. so it's kind of harder to be a tank and be valuable in that game than it is in unite uh obviously you have your cc and stuff and you want to be controlling the the crowd but because someone might only be attacking whoever's closest to them or attacking has the lowest percentage of hp if you can just get a little damage on you as a tank then you can draw all the fire and no one can attack your teammates with the auto attacks because it's just going to target you automatically so i think that is kind of a neat thing where now you have to aim with your feet a bit like doom where it's like i need to get far enough away from this tank and close enough to this other character that i start autoing them or i'm going to waste a lot of damage on the tank so it's super fun playing tank and unite because you just run in with your engage and start fighting the enemy team and you will draw all their fire and keep it off of your teammates i mean dirt is the same but you're you're basing it on forced error rather than it's more about I'm a bristleback who's like a big tanky hero. I mm-hmm. out, I also output a lot of damage and I'm running at your team. What are you going to do? And then yeah. you're it's relying on the enemy team being like, "Okay, well, we can't burst this guy down, so we're actually better off like counter-initiating and going on the back line and taking them out and we'll let this bristleback run around and try and avoid him for as long as possible and kill the rest of his team and then we'll deal with the tanky character at the end yeah uh and there's you know again it's like a lot of micro decisions in team fighting in dota and and tank isn't a strict role in dota 2 anyway like i think it is in league but definitely is in league yeah yeah in dota 2 you don't necessarily need a tanky hero in the game it's helpful if you have backliners but but it's not necessarily a fundamental thing um yeah, it's interesting. It's it's odd to... <laughs> I, again, I would have to play the game, but this auto-attack mechanic to me 
It'll bother you. The lack of control you have over it sounds. It will bother you. Irritating. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely uh, uh, like a, oh shit, what's the f- fucking word? When you give someone something just to like sate them. Oh my God. Uh, I can't. Placate? Mm, not quite that. I can't think of the word. It's it's obviously like not their intended design, but it's they wanted the simplicity of the controller movement and just press A to auto attack. That's what they wanted without having to aim the auto attack. So as a result of that, the complication is you have less control over the target that you're trying to hit. So when you're used to playing something like Dota or League, that will bug the shit out of you uh, until you adjust to it. Yeah, it's also I th- I wonder if from a design perspective they originally had it as an ability where it's like okay here's your spammable auto attack style thing and you like hit a button and it comes out constantly or whatever and you can semi maybe it's directionally targeted or whatever the hell and then they were like well this is just annoying to have to press this button all the time and deal with it this way so we'll just make it like a like something that auto targets or whatever the hell yeah there, there is to me it just seems like they were like well we're making a MOBA and in MOBAs they auto attack so let's <laughs> I don't let's think put it's, that in or, that's interesting I don't think that's what it is but it, it is interesting to think about a game where there's no auto attacks and it's just your skills but I think you just spend a lot of time waiting on cooldowns so I think it's just you want the player to have agency I want to be able to walk around and smack stuff even when my skills are on cooldown so auto attacks just arise naturally yeah it would also you would have a lot less like yeah like without that sort of sustained damage effect it would feel very much like you were very reliant on burst for every team fight exactly yeah where it's like well i might as well just wait and we'll all hold our cooldowns and then burst all at once as opposed to like if there's auto attack damage you can use one cooldown and then auto attacks to finish or something so it means that the combat can be a little more staggered that's right. It it kind of makes sense, I guess. But yeah, the automatic targeting sounds very odd. Especially like Dota these days has like vector targeting and stuff like that where you can like drag. You you basically position your mouse and then you can like click and drag and you point uh, like a direction for your ability to go off. So for instance, there's a hero called Muerta who's like the most recent hero. And you can like, she has a a bullet that she shoots and it ricochets off whatever you uh target it onto so you'll like drag a line at an angle off a tree and it will fire and then ricochet off the tree at that angle and then it can you can drag it off heroes so you can hit two heroes at once and it like fears the hero that it hits off the ricochet and it's got like a lot of cool stuff like that that obviously you can only do with a mouse uh and i really like that you know there's so <laughs> there's just so much variety in that game i guess like every hero not only has different abilities but they function in different ways just in the way that you even mechanically utilize them like vector targeting or yeah. aoe's or single target or ground targeted or you know whatever it might be yeah, there's stuff like that. And, well, first of all, you can the drag targeting you can do on uh, on mobile. If you're playing Unite on mobile, you can oh, just okay. click on your skill and drag it out, name like that. So if you prefer mobile, that's fine. And if you want to be an uber nerd, if it's still in the game, I never see anybody using this, but there was definitely at some point, it may still be 
uh, targeting wheel that you can have on your screen as a UI and it'll update with any guys that are in range and you can just like you could tap Wigglytuff and then you'll target Wigglytuff. So you can <laughs> choose your target specifically, but I never see anybody do that. And Wigglytuff's a boss. It's funny to hear Wigglytuff talk <laughs> about in such a serious. Wigglytuff's hilarious. Um, was Yeah, there's really neat creative stuff like that in Unite too. Like there's characters that can only throw their skills out in the direction that they're moving. And they're always moving. So you, you pick up like Dodrio for the first time and you try and aim your drill pecs. And it's like you have to actually turn yourself around like a like mm-hmm. a, a rhinoceros struggling to turn and then use your skill in the direction you're moving. Uh, there's there's lots of neat, neat stuff where they'll bring in a new guy and they'll be like, here's this completely fundamentally new mechanic that this character has that you have to learn. And so much so that the original cast of characters in the game, you start looking at them and you're like, these are so boring and bland. Every new character that comes out, their skills old paragraph. Yeah, it's funny. Dota's a little bit like that now. Because, like, a lot of the really old characters will be, like, they have a stun, and then, like, a passive, and then, like, a nuke. Like, and then the new character, like, fucking Earth Spirit comes out, and it's like, oh, well, you drop a stone, and then you can kick the stone, or you can pull the stone, and that's a silence or a slow, and then you can roll (laughs) into them, and if you roll over the stone, it makes you faster, and then your ultimate also synergizes with your stones, and then... You know, and then the other character comes and like throws their one ability out or whatever. Like there was, yeah. there's a hero called Skeleton King, uh, in Dota Two. Well, he's Wraith King now because of copyright with Blizzard. But, um, he literally for a long time he just had one active ability. It was just a stun. That was his only active ability. <laughs> Everything else was passives. Uh, he has like a bit more to him now, but um, yeah. People were like, yeah, if you want to learn Dota, just start with Skeleton King because he just has one spell. It's neat. Yeah, they they put Mew out in Pokemon Unite and Mew's gimmick was that like every, oh, I forget how, it's off the top of my head, is it like a new, no, it's not a new level. There's some certain like bar that you can fill and then you can relearn different moves. So you'll have like two moves of your choice and instead of having four total and you only have two, you have something like six total. And you have two at a time, but every time you fill up this amount of points or meter or whatever, you can relearn two different skills. So you can keep switching up your build as Mew through the game. And like that's a neat thing that's really hard to learn as you pick them up. So yeah, they'll they'll put someone out and it's like, hey, here's this totally new wacky idea that we had, and that's super fun. But it does tend to lead to like the new characters come out and they're just broken compared to the old characters because the old guy was like oh dash forward dealing damage to your opponents that's the move and then a new guy comes out and it's like uh lower this stat by 65 percent and this stat by 15 percent by the enemy and put this mark on them that lasts five seconds if you hit them while they have that mark heal yourself for 10 percent of your health and gain an attack speed bonus that will for and it just like goes on and on and on and on and you're like oh my god i yeah. don't have time today to read how to play this character i yeah i mean there's some heroes in dota where it's like i still don't fucking know what some of their abilities do like i've never played i mean i for the most part i do but like i've never played oracle for instance and this hero like one thing i really love about dota especially with the newer heroes is that they the abilities that they put in are so clever in the way a lot of the time that they synergize with each other with their kits like oracle has like he has a heal that does damage 
so it'll do damage to whoever you heal initially. It's like a burst of damage, and then it heals over time for more than it damages. So, like, <laughs> you can use it as a nuke on your opponent, but you've got to be sure that you're going to kill them, because otherwise you're going to heal them. And then if you want to heal your carry, you have another ability that it disarms, but it also makes them uh, not take magic damage. So you can put that on them, but you're disarming your own, like, teammate, but you're making it so that you can burst heal them without them taking that damage initially. I'm surprised that that's in the game because it's griefable. And usually uh, it's not, games it's like not that. really that griefable. To, I don't know. Well, just and the also, fact that you could... are too dumb to play oracles. So. <laughs> that's funny. But usually in that type of game, you avoid skills like that because I could join a game with bad intentions and just intentionally heal the enemy team with this skill that's supposed to have the heal as the punishment if I screw it up. But I can screw it up on purpose and heal the enemy team and be be a problem like that. Yeah, that kind of griefing. I don't know. I. It definitely happens, but I I can't ever remember it happening in a game like that style of griefing that I've played, and I've played like 4,000 hours of the game, so... That's it? I don't know. Damn, you must suck. <laughs> Why? Why would you, me being in more games with griefers mean that? No, 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 no. You only have 4,000 games, or 4,000 hours of oh, Dota, see, so I therefore... See. I do suck speaking, actually. The other problem with Dota is if you don't play it for like six months or something, uh, and you come back, you are awful. Like you're, that's every game. That's not Dota. You go down that's like everything. Yeah, but this is like you drop like two thousand MMR. If I don't <laughs> play PUBG for a long time, I come back and I suck. But then you know I get the skills back to play that game in like a few sessions. But Dota two, it's like well. Yeah. Two months of hard training and <laughs> I might be back to where I was. Yeah, just because the micro is so complicated and there's just so much. And then the patches change a bunch of things about the heroes and like the items and stuff in Dota uh make it very complex too. Yeah. Fuck items. Which is I hate that nonsense. Get that out of I game. love it, dude. It's so good. I know I, you do. I mean it you also love the nerd shit. I mean, it helps you with the problem that you're complaining about, about snowballing and, like, compounding, uh, like, advantages, because... Items? You know, if you go with a smart item build, you can counter the things that are countering you, and you can often build items that, you know, remedy situations in teamfights, or they give you a specific timing, like, say, you build three, like, triple BKB on three cores... <laughs> or like double bkb or whatever and it's like well we were getting absolutely stomped by this team but all they have is magic damage and now we all have all our cores have bkbs and they can't do anything in team fights and then you know and then you have to take advantage of okay we got these bkbs but slowly like the timer lowers on the bkb for how long it lasts in a team fight so if you don't capitalize that magic damage becomes more of a problem again like later in the game so yeah i mean i see that and that is an avenue toward that but it's also like the problem exists in the first place because the enemy team had more gold on top of their experience advantage and could buy big items to blow you up with and now you have to try to build smart you call this a problem but that's called them being better than you in the laning phase 
Right, but I'm saying that items don't solve the problem of compounding advantage. It's just a different kind of compounding advantage. And then you're pointing out that it does have a little bit of counterplay to it, which is great, but also items cause an additional compounding advantage that wouldn't exist if you didn't have the items in the game. So I, I don't like you selling me the solution to the problem that that solution caused <laughs> on its own. If, if you know what I mean, I see what you're saying, and that's interesting. And I know you like that higher skill ceiling type of situation. So I see the value in it. But I like, for my own taste, I like better that there's no gold scaling on top of the experience scaling. You can't lose the plot on two fronts and just get buried under these compounding advantages nearly as much. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just preference. Like if you want to have to really walk that tightrope all game and if you fall a bit behind, holy crap, you have to be careful not to fall more behind. That's cool if that's what you're into. Well, Dota isn't I will say if you've played more League than you have Dota, Dota have, isn't like yeah. yeah, well League from what I understand and I haven't played League, but this is what I've been told from people who do play League is that League is like if if they have a huge gold advantage, you're pretty much not coming back in that game. From what I understand. That's like how it, it was when I was playing it, definitely. This is what I've been told, yeah. But Dota 2 is not really like that. Like, it does... There are a lot of avenues to come back into a game if you're really far behind. And it happens a lot in competitive games, and it happens in, in pubs. Probably even more, because people are way shittier at pushing advantages. So, yeah. I would say Dota is probably has that problem a little bit less and maybe it's because there are uh, the reason i say the items is because it adds in extra variables that i think often either lead to where you can like outthink your opponent i think like they're not considering oh well if they buy a bkb my magic damage here is gonna be less effective so i need to do these other things to mitigate that becoming a problem for me yeah. And if they if they don't do these things, then you can outsmart them and sort of claw your way back into the game yeah. through those sorts of avenues, I suppose. I'm so glad that doesn't exist in Unite because it'd just be another thing that these fucking veteran rank dumbasses would misunderstand and do completely wrong. Well, yeah, people do that in Dota 2 where it's like, oh man, <laughs> my carry is building the completely wrong fucking item and we just lose because like this idiot. Yeah rough is like built using a build from like 2009 or something because they like just came back to dota well and, and united will be they'll be using a special attacker and then they'll run attack weight on them which is an item that boosts attack if you score a lot of goals you'll get even more attack they don't use their attack stat they use their special attack stat right and people will build that you'll see it in your game and you're like i'm like i'm in masters why is this person in my game? are they trolling or do they not know what these items do and you see it all the time you'll see choice specs talent flame it just baffling stuff but uh yeah i mean that's i think that's let's bring it back to the beginning and wrap it up because um, okay. this is a nice way to put a bow on it but like games like lethal company i think are such a beautiful thing because they allow you that team-based experience you can get your buddies on i don't know if you can do rando cues in lethal company but if you could that's also fine 
but you can get together with your buddies and you can have this specific kind of fun experience that you can only have from like human interaction with other players and helping each other or accidentally mm-hmm. hindering each other like that's so much fun and the fact that it's like not on a ladder and you're not like a ranked ladder and you know there's just less to be frustrated about it's focusing on the fun and less on the like winning like that's magic whereas all of these MOBAs where you load in and you're you're if you're going to go on solo queue you've got four random people on your team and there's like something at stake for the game cuz people are worried about their rank and then these people can just be terrible or have a, a terrible attitude which I know it sounds like I do right now, but I, you know, I never quit in the middle of a game. I'm always trying to help you win. So basically flaming children. Yeah, I'm just screaming on the voice chat. But they just, I feel like it's almost anti-design to have this ranked ladder and have matches matter and have it be a competition and then have a game mode where you're teaming up with random people. Like, I think that causes so much distress. I hear it uh you know through other people complaining in the match or people just like abandoning the game 90 seconds in because something didn't go their way or they're upset with somebody like it just it brings so much negativity to the game i mean i'm wondering if we should even be doing it but yeah i don't know i don't know what the solution is but i mean you know like some people want to play these games and they don't have a group of friends so like what yeah. can you do so it's like can, can there be a 1v1 2v2 3v3 version is that meaningful can we come up with a game where that makes sense i think you end up it's like dota 1v1 is a completely different experience like yeah it's not exactly. even comparable i mean exactly yeah i think the thing is like you just maybe there's some onus on people to learn how to cope a bit better <laughs> and try and learn how to like focus on their own gameplay like obviously like if i'm playing with my friends and we have some shitty teammate i'm flaming them i'm flaming the teammate but i'm not doing it in chat in all chat or whatever i'm not telling them you suck i'm just talking to my friends and be like man this guy kind of sucks uh and you know i think (laughs) i think a lot of it is like you just have to learn to be like how what did I fuck up this game? What mistakes did I personally <laughs> make? Like, I played a game the other day of Dota, and I was playing carry, and we had, like, this lane that just, like, chain-fed these two guys that were friends. And they just f- fed in the laning phase, and then they were pretty much, like, both completely useless in the game. But there were three, like, major moments where I made, like, big mistakes. And if yeah. I hadn't made those mistakes, we'd probably win the game, I think. And yeah. and I chose, like, to f- I'm just going to focus on that because I can't control what these other people do. And I can't, like, I can't help them to get better for the next game. And I can't, you know, I can't change what happened or anything. So it's a lot more useful to me if I'm just like, okay, well, next time I play, I can focus on these things to, like, do better. Never going to happen. <laughs> never you're but, asking but for also, emotional maturity from a majority of the populace it will oh never i understand <laughs> but but also but the right. thing is like it's always difficult to say this but i play a lot of very like fucking abrasive games like I like dark souls i like PUBG. i like dota 2 i like games that are like punishing and competitive and sometimes you have a really shitty time playing these games and sometimes you have an incredible and fulfilling experience 
And, you know, Dota 2 really epitomizes that in terms of competitive multiplayer games where it's, man, we like, they're almost super carried this and like in the laning phase and they just fed and then we're down like 25 kills and we're down 10k gold and the game is over 15 minutes, but I'm stuck with these people who are just talking in chat and they're berating me, even though I feel like I didn't really make that many mistakes. Yep. And how the hell do I get out of this game? Because it won't end for another 30 minutes because for some reason Minimum. the enemy team is still farming in the jungle when they could just push our towers because we told them. And they the got to be full right build, now. dude. Got to get their you know? full build. Got to get six items. But then on the flip <laughs> side, you have the game where, you know, you play for like 60 minutes and it's so tight and your team's working together so perfectly. You don't even need to communicate because you jump in on your initiator and you know that your team's going to follow up. And then it's so back and forth between you and this other team and you get mega creeps and it feels like it's all over. The enemy team is like pushing into your base and all these creeps are coming in and it looks like you're going to die. But then you do one last team fight and you crush them and you manage to push out and you manage to come back and win this game that seemed completely like insurmountable and unwinnable. Yeah. And that feeling is the complete opposite again. Just like elation playing this game. And it's like, well, you almost like you can't really have one without having the other because just by virtue of the way the game is designed. So it's difficult for me to say like it's a horrible design for games, even though you can have a really bad experience because at the same time, you know, you could also have a really good experience, even if it is just with random people. I choose to believe one could design a game where you can have one without the other, but I don't know how. <laughs> I, would, I, I, don't it. I don't want to be the person to figure it out day. either. Maybe one day. sounds horrible. For me, those aren't necessarily equivalent experiences all the time, and one happens way less than the others, you know? And like, because I'll sit down with Dave and we'll play some unite and we'll go on a 15 game win streak and we'll fucking crush everybody and it that feels good like that's fun but it's not like that last minute comeback elation and then the next day we'll get together and we'll have like five games in a row at the start where our guys don't even go to lane like it's so bad there's nothing you can do from literally eight seconds into the game you go oh we're fucked this is over and we can't 2v5 the enemy team. It's just not going to happen, especially with our buddies like making the other team stronger actively. So it's such a treacherous thing to have as an aspect of your game design is like, here's your random teammate. Like you, just, you have to be doing the matchmaking correctly. Like you have to be so careful about matchmaking to try and avoid that problem. I mean, and that's, that's the main com- sticking that's another point. conversation, right? Yeah. This whole conversation that's happening now about skill-based matchmaking and how that's a massive problem. People yeah. hate it for certain game types. and It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It is. I mean, I, I really don't envy people having to try and figure out this kind of stuff because with a single-player game, obviously, you're dealing with you're dealing with people, obviously, like they're playing a game and you need to meet their expectations but when it's a multiplayer game you're dealing with people dealing with other people which <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> is like a hundred times worse because exactly you know 
people are people are fucking assholes so bad. I don't know if you know this. I do. I unfortunately do. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes yeah, I'm it's me most of the time. Yeah, that's fair. No, I yeah, I guess it's my my non-serious opinion that I kind of half believe is like if we can't iron these kinks out of these games, we should just stop making them. <laughs> like we tried it. The experiment didn't work. Get them out of here. Uh, more seriously, like, you know, I just won't play these games in a single player situation. Like, you're never going to catch me going solo queue on League. And like once every six months, I feel like I'll go solo queue in Pokemon Unite. And it's just I'm so unhappy immediately. I'm just like, why am I playing this game? I've actually been playing Dota and they've... enjoying solo queue. Oh, what if I told you that? It's funny because you. I just, I just put on music and I just focus on myself for the whole <laughs> game. It's and I think that is the way you have to play. It. And like, if you watch any professional stream, I mean, usually they end up getting annoyed at at some point, which mm-hmm. I think that's probably a bit of a different experience, right? Because like, let if you're a pro player in Dota two, like the skill gap between you. And the people that Valve can pay you up with is usually still, like, incredibly vast. Unless you're playing with other professional players. Like, the, yeah, like, the skill ceiling in that game is just so high that it's, like, not even comparable, I feel like, the people that they end up playing with. So, like, obviously, they're going to get more frustrated than the average player, but... You know, for me, who's making about, you know, 500 mistakes per second when I play Dota 2. I find that these days I'm able to at least enjoy the experience of trying to like focus on learning a little bit. I also think you have a little more agency in Dota 2 where like you can really win your lane and then you can win the game because you won your lane. Like now there's a backdoor opportunity there and it only takes one person to backdoor if the other team's not paying enough attention sort of deal. Well, you mean split pushing, I'm assuming. Yeah, sorry. Split pushing is correct. Yeah. Um, whereas like in Unite, like you can crush your lane and then you could go to every objective and maybe you even steal every objective up to like the final fight, but you can't outscore five people by yourself. You just cannot do it. So if you, I've had games where I have, my team is useless all game. They do nothing. I, the team fight at, you know, the Zapdos objective doesn't even happen. It's a different Pokemon now, and it does something slightly different. But I'll steal the final objective guy, the Rayquaza. I'll steal it from the enemy team. We could now turn this game around and win. And my team just doesn't go score their points. They're walking around with 50 points in their pocket. They just don't go score. So it's like, what's the point of even succeeding and winning? Uh, it's like if you if you blew up the ancient at the end of your match, you single-handedly destroy the ancient, but you need your team to vote. Like, would you like to win now that you've destroyed the ancient? And your team was like, no, we don't want to win. And then you lost the game, even though you destroyed the ancient. Like, I mean, it does happen technically in Dota. Like, it's just ugh, the frustration. Dota has a really big problem, like in lowest skill levels of like, uh. We win a team fight and we're right near an objective, but everyone just splits up and goes and farms. They don't Awful. push the tower or whatever. And it is incredibly Awful. frustrating. Dota at least has, like, you can ping the minimap, like, 50 times on the tower to, like, tell them, hey, we're yeah. doing this now or whatever. They won't do it. But, yeah, it is very you, annoying. That's every I just find it Pokemon funny United. that you're talking about these things. You'll be like, 
<laughs> and you know, I'm playing fucking Pokemon Unite, and my guy, right, he's playing Wigglytuff, and he won't even <laughs> punch the Caterpie. That's <laughs> just like... Yeah, so I find that... It's such a great idea, though. Like, I really... When I saw Pokemon Unite, I was like, this makes perfect sense. Like, Pokemon is the perfect franchise to do it with. So many, so many great Pokemans that I would like to play with different abilities. Even just, like, Pokemon that evolve and Pokemon that don't evolve, that's a great thing to have in a MOBA, because now you have, like, there's your late-game carry right there is the Pokemon that has to evolve before it's good. And then you have the guy... Yeah, who, fucking Machamp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Machamp's not good till late-game. Actually, Matchhop's pretty fucking good in lane at the start. But then you got your guy who doesn't evolve, who's like really strong early game, but will kind of fall off by the end. And like, that's neat stuff and, and it's great. But I got to say, I'm way less embarrassed by saying names like Wigglytuff than I am by saying names like Wraith King and shit like that. I think that's embarrassing. Wigglytuff, I'm in on the joke and it's funny. Wraith King is cringe. <laughs> I mean, I Dota 2 really nonsense. doesn't. Dota 2 doesn't take it so seriously, really at all. So. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's got Meepo and stuff. Dota 2 is cool. Plus, I loved playing Broodmother in Dota 2. I only played for like 200. Broodmother's a great hero, and also Broodmother. Not well. Yeah, they kind of fucked the hero up, but <laughs> yeah, I don't yep. know what state it's in now or when I played it. Anyway, this has gone on for too long. But Pokemon Unite is a great game if you have human people in your presence to play with on your team who have brains. Then it's amazing. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Don't play solo queue. Don't play with Serbat if you're a child because he'll yeah. tear you apart. <laughs> but grow up, kid. You need a driver's <laughs> license before you can play Pokemon hey, Unite. Kid. I don't think you're ready for Wigglytuff. <laughs> Stick to Weedle or Kakuna. Oh. Is Weedle in the game? 